This is Dan Mindis from Next Gen Venture Partners coming off of a great conversation with Christian Seal. Uh, Christian is a venture partner with NextGen and he's a full-time investor in digital health companies. Uh, what that means for Christian is that he spends his time uh, working with startups that are fixing our healthcare system. Uh, there's a lot of work to do. There's uh, some incredible opportunities to improve uh, our health outcomes, to save money, um, to usher in a far better era in how we treat and prevent disease. Christian has some incredible stories that I think will be inspiring uh, to many people, and I think you'll really enjoy the conversation. Christian Seals, thanks so much for spending some time with me today. Great to talk to you, Dan. You invest in digital health startups. Uh, tell me what's exciting to you about that space. So I think there's a lot of things. We spend about $3 trillion a year, a trillion dollars of which is waste. Uh, we have some of the poorest outcomes in the developing world, despite our GDP being about 20% of healthcare. 50 million Americans aren't taking prescription drugs prescribed because of cost concerns. Uh, and if you're born into the poorest zip code in the U.S., your average life expectancy is 30 years less than somebody born into the forest. So massive opportunities, uh, billions of dollars are going into space. We think that there's a lot of opportunity to look at innovations that are happening in other industries, whether it's chatbots, whether it's virtual reality, blockchain technology that can be used in healthcare uh, because the fax is still used <laughs> in our industry, which is which is bananas. Uh, and then also looking at innovations that are outside the U.S., um, technologies that have leapfrogged, whether it's in Africa, India, or Latin America, that, that we can bring to the U.S. to help improve our healthcare system. What are some digital health companies that you really admire? That could be uh, ones from your own portfolio, it could be you know, ones that are better known, but you know, what's sort of the template for you? What's the ideal that you're looking for as you go out and uh, invest in new startups? So I think about three things when we talk about healthcare. One is a company equitable, meaning uh, is it going to move the needle for everyone in our healthcare system because it's a personal belief, but I think everyone has right uh, to good healthcare. Two, is it efficient? I'll just give you a quick story. Uh, I've been to the ER three times for a heart issue, and each time I go in, uh, I get a bill for an EKG, which is the line item is $5,000. Um, you can put a device in the back of your phone and take an EKG. It's a $99 one-time cost. Um, so efficiency. Uh, and then the third um, that I always think about uh, is accessible. So there's uh, people just don't have access to care sometimes. Um, you know, if you have higher income, you're able to, uh, to get things, but um, sometimes you might not if you're lower income. So we like companies that are looking across those three. An example of that is a company we invested in called Care Angel, uh, which is using artificial intelligence to use voice to reach out to patients um, as opposed to having a nurse pick up the phone and call um, an elderly person and ask how they're doing. Angel can do that. Um, it's getting smarter with each conversation that it has. And then based off of that, it's alerting its caregiving team um, to uh, prevent people going to the hospital, to prevent uh, unnecessary ER admissions. Um, so we're, we're, we're pretty bu bu bullish on that company. Well, let's, let's talk about that one for a second. So I, I think that, that makes a ton of sense and something where you can probably create a lot of efficiency and, and through efficiency, get, you know, give, give more, more and better care to more people. You know, uh, AI chatbots and, and you know, AI, sort of AI-powered voice is good. It's not spectacular yet, and I don't think anyone would say it's past the Turing test. And that's a challenge you know, uh, when you're trying to sell you know, uh, cat food. Um, but, but when you're trying to talk about human health, 
how do you make sure that something like that is up to the quality of a, of a trained nurse? And how do you make sure that you're complying with um, you know, the regulatory environment that, that health court, healthcare sits in? It's a great question. And so part of the reason we really liked Angel is because it's uh, one, an angelic voice. It's a, a very just different um, type of voice than what you would see um, in a chatbot. Two, you can integrate, um, whether it's an inspirational message or a message from a grandson, grandpa, you know, please make sure to take your uh, medication. And the third are the types of questions it's asking. So very low acuity. It's not providing a diagnosis, but instead of um, having somebody, whether it's a family member or a nurse, pick up the phone and ask, what's your blood pressure today? Or did you take your medication? Or how are you feeling? They're pretty basic questions, but behind it um, is a lot of behavioral economics and how you ask the question. Uh, and so we're not at the level yet that uh, a chatbot or AI-driven voice can talk to a patient about a, a very specific diagnosis, but we are, in our belief, at the point where they can ask some pretty mundane, low-acuity questions. That, that makes a lot of sense. One of the things that I often find with healthcare startups is you, you come up with some great innovation. Your goal is to save the world. Uh, you, uh, your, your technology can do that. And then you have to play this game of getting someone to pay for it and getting it to fit into the right billing code or create your own billing code and, and dealing with Medicare. And so how do you tackle that in the case of something like a chatbot telling people to take their meds? So we won't look at a company if there isn't a business model. I know that sounds very silly talking to you as an investor, uh, but it's amazing how many companies you see that create amazing technology, but they've yet to figure out what the business model. So in the chatbot case, uh, a we'll use an example of a hospital pays a nursing staff to get on the phones and basically dial for dollars, dial to patients and ask them how they're feeling. And that's, I mean, one, very costly to have a call center, but two, it's really not allowing a nurse to uh, operate at the top of their license. So something like a chatbot uh, or a voice-powered uh, AI engine is able to redu reduce that cost. So as opposed to being $20 a phone call, it becomes $0.20 cents a phone call. Um, and so there's a cost savings associated with that that a hospital or insurance company is willing to pay for. So you're investing uh, through an accelerator model. Um, and uh, you start launched it about three years ago in Miami, uh, Accelerator for Digital Health. Uh, first, for sort of listeners who aren't familiar with the Accelerator model, I'm wonder if, curious if you could just give us sort of the key components of that model. And then second, uh, what have you learned about that model over the last three years? Yeah, it's a great question. And I typically like to talk about us as an innovation program because the Accelerator model, I think, is a little bit of a misnomer for some folks that... Uh, aren't familiar. I think Y Combinator and Techstars and some of the other larger brands have really um, done a great job of taking that model um, and helping companies. But ours is a little different in that um, not really a set time frame associated with it. Typically, an accelerator model is three to four months, um, really focused on can we get the company some fundraising, teach them how to pitch. Our program is really focused on accelerating commercial traction. So the companies that we're investing in already have product. Um, some of them have more than a million dollars in revenue, have some commercial traction. And what we're offering them is to develop a new business line and or expand their market reach into the southeast of the U.S. So we partner with a variety of uh, healthcare institutions, insurance companies, healthcare providers that uh, provide commercial relationships, both in terms of mentorship, but real contract dollars. Uh, so that's why companies come to us. And I think 
one thing in the accelerator space, um, it's very crowded alone in healthcare. We have 400 accelerators uh, is I think a recognition that every company is very different. So to have a plug and play model for 10, 20, 100 companies in the case of Y Combinator is difficult. Uh, and so we really like to focus on having a large network of mentors similar to uh, the venture partner model that we understand a, a company's needs deeply and help them out as opposed to putting all 10 companies in a room and say, well, this is how you present um, to investors. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And actually, I think even Y Combinator is learning that lesson. So for example, uh, they're, they're creating a new capability for their artificial intelligence companies where they're connecting uh, the companies going through the YC program to uh, sources of compute or you know sources of talent that are specific uh, to AI. Uh, so I think I think you're right. The, the one size fits all model doesn't always work. But uh, you referred to uh, some of the the providers um, in Miami where you're located uh, that you're connected to. Uh, flesh that out a little bit. You know what what are the kinds of relationships and connectivity that you're providing to the uh, to the companies in in your accelerator? And I think to some degree it, it parallels what we do at NextGen, which is providing access to our 830 venture partners. You among them uh, to um, to the companies that we've invested in. Sure, and just to give you a little context on Miami. So Miami, a little known fact, is the second largest healthcare district in the U.S. Uh, and there's been three multi-billion-dollar healthcare exits in the past four years. So people down here know how to build and scale healthcare companies. Not particularly all technology, but healthcare generally. Um, so what we've done is we've assembled a network, very much like the venture partner network of healthcare experts, healthcare investors, healthcare ex executive entrepreneurs, and then partnered with the Miami Children's Hospital, uh, the University of Miami, Jackson, a variety of other health insurance companies to do two things. One, to understand their pain points, and two, source technologies that are relevant to them uh, with the uh, understanding if we bring in a company that we like are going to invest in and is meeting a pain point, then they'll either contract, they maybe will invest, they'll co-develop. Uh, so there's a real relationship there, more than just somebody putting a logo, um, you know, on our on our website. Can you give us an example of a, a comp of a, a problem area where one of your partners has said, "Hey, Christian, you know, we'd love to have a startup that that's working on X." Sure. So uh, Carrie Angel, the the AI powered voice assistant that we were speaking about, is a great example. Um, two facilities down here, large facilities, uh, spend a lot of money reaching out to patients to ask very simple questions like, you're over 40, uh, you haven't had a mammogram yet, and pay people to pick up the phone. Or for medication adherence, pick up the phone and ask, did you take your medication today? Angel is now, uh, and that's a big cost center for them, and it d d doesn't work so well. So now an angel is doing that uh, for them. Another example is the Miami Children's Hospital um, is doing a lot in genomics and in clinical research um, and didn't yet have a tool to manage those clinical trials. Um, and so collectively, we invested in a clinical trial optimization, optimization company. Um, it's doing patient data capture as well. Uh, so it's really fitting a pain point. And what Miami Children is able to do is, one, use the product, but then go to its network of all other hospital systems and say, hey, this is a product that we invested in, and we think it's something that you should use as well. Oh, interesting. So yeah, so as there's consolidation in the healthcare industry, you know, you might partner with the local hospital, but that local hospital is part of a chain, potentially, and could be and, uh, the technology could be rolled out more broadly? That and also because of the patient population that we're interested in, Miami is extremely diverse. I say it looks like the city of 2050. We're able to get an audience with 
healthcare providers and insurance companies outside of Miami. So think of Los Angeles, New York, places that have very diverse populations are interested in, okay, if something's working down in South Florida with a relatively difficult patient mix, it could work here. And so what we've done is assemble not just uh, relationships in South Florida, but nationally. So we can go to a company and say, hey, if it works down here in South Florida, we have 20 other hospitals that we can go ahead and plug you into. Another interesting element of Miami is that it's the window onto Latin America. So I'm curious how that impacts your investing approach, the kinds of companies that you back. So I have a large thesis around the U.S. Hispanic population. Hispanics in the U.S. are about 20%, will be 30% in the year 2050, but only 4% of healthcare providers speak Spanish. So a very big gap. I've invested both personally and through the fund in three Hispanic-focused businesses. It's my belief that we can go to Latin America and find delivery models and care models that are working for those populations and bring them to the U.S. and vice versa. So we invested in a company called MediConecta, which is the largest telehealth provider in Latin America. We saw an opportunity to bring them to the U.S. to serve the U.S. Hispanic population, um, and that's starting to roll out. So I think given where Miami sits as the capital of Latin America and just that there's over 50% Hispanics, uh, there's a real opportunity to create some connectivity with Latin America. Well, I'd love to follow up on, on that particular company. Was, uh, was their focus on, on a Spanish-speaking population, or did the, the reason that you can roll it out to the U.S., was it principally that, hey, we're just, using, we're just talking in Spanish here, and most U- U.S.-based telemedicine companies are, are, speaking, are doing in English, or was there something different about the technology, about their business model uh, that stemmed from the fact that they, they came from Latin America that you think is uniquely interesting and applicable to the U.S. population as well? So I think there's two things. I think one, uh, Spanish-speaking physicians are, there's a dearth of them in the U.S. And so the fact that they had accumulated a Spanish-speaking provider network made them just very valuable. Uh, And the second is uh, Latin America has very much leapfrogged uh, the U.S. in terms of mobile phone usage because there wasn't PC penetration like there was here. A lot of care models have gone to the phone. So they did something very early on, which I thought was very innovative, is they partnered with telco companies to put their platform on cell phones, um, which is not something that big telemedicine companies were doing originally. So reaching patients um, where they were uh, was something that we thought was what, was pretty innovative. And with the U.S. Hispanic population over-indexing on social and mobile, uh, we, we, we think it's pretty applicable here. And I think you, you tell a, a story about some uh, health care that you got in, in Latin America and compared to what you see in the U.S. So, uh, you know, uh, share that with the audience. Sure. So how I got into healthcare was uh, my first organization down in Latin America. I was hospitalized with two parasites and spent about 24 hours in the hospital, a uh, temperature of 104. was treated really well. Uh, when I was discharged, I got a bill right there on the spot for $53. And, you know, didn't really think much of it at the time. I was good care. It was cheap. But I, four years later, I was in New York and I dislocated my pinky. I went to the ER. A plastic surgeon came. I don't know why I needed a plastic surgeon. But anyway, a month later, I got a bill for $17,300. And I never remember, I forget, I waited six hours in the ER. And each time I went in, talked to the attending about when I was going to be seen, it was like I was getting a death stare. Um, so just a completely different experience with, you know, astronomical cost. Um, so let's take that that case study, uh, your your unfortunate you know uh, you know experience with with your pinky. What can a digital health startup do to fix that? 
you know, where are the where are the opportunities to uh, for entrepreneurs, for innovators uh, to you know make make that you know uh, experience more like what you got you know uh, in the southern hemisphere. So I think there's a variety of different opportunities and understanding the complexities of healthcare are just extremely important. And so one thing that we talk a lot about is it's important to be a good technologist, but you also need to pair that with deep healthcare expertise because uh, technology alone will not solve um, some of our intractable healthcare issues. But it's changing culture. And what I mean by that is each time that you get sick and myself included um, with my pinky, I went to the ER. Now, 70% of ER visits uh, are unnecessary um, and preventable. So rerouting people to uh, urgent care facilities or with the chatbot, the NHS in uh, the UK is now instead of 911, their equivalent of 911 is using chatbots to do the first triage. Um, and so we see just the whole model of healthcare changing where the only reason you should be going to a hospital is for a very, very, very complicated procedure. And so what are the business models and the technologies that will enable care to happen outside of traditional care facilities. So we talk a lot about um, this idea of chatbots being the first line of defense. You can elevate to a telemedicine visit. The telemedicine visit can then tell you whether or not you um, should should go to the doctor. But changing people's perception around, my first instinct is to go to the ER, my first instinct is going to the hospital system. We really have to change that. I think there'll be a lot of big businesses built to do that. If you're t- uh, talking to an entrepreneur who does not come from a healthcare background, but you know ha- has all the ingredients uh, to build a successful startup anyway, you know, would you advise them to go get some healthcare experience before they launch their company because this market is so different? Would you say find a co-founder? It can be solved with you know a board or a board of advisors. How important is it to be ensconced in this world of healthcare, which is, I think, very different uh, before starting a company uh, in that space? So I think some of the best innovations are going to come from people that don't come from healthcare. And what it will necessitate is, I don't know that they have to go get direct healthcare expertise themselves, but just like in any business, they have to go talk to their customers, which, um, you know, whether it's a hospital system, insurance company, pharma, and understand really deeply what their pain points are and get a yes or no answer whether the technology or the care delivery model that they're going to go ahead and build is going to get paid for. And then pair that Typically, I would hope with uh, some deep healthcare expertise on the operational side, a board might be able to solve that. Uh, but I do think you probably need an operator there. And really, we've seen that. So Flatiron Health, those guys came from uh, ad tech. I had a friend from Brown who started a company called Relay Health, which is sold for over a billion dollars. He didn't know any healthcare expertise, but you know, very easily you can you can. There's a lot of people in healthcare that are fed up with the status quo and want to help. So if you're an innovator, there is a surplus of people that would love to work with you um, to bolster out your healthcare knowledge. And Christian Seal, available to write a check as well. Christian, thanks so much (laughs) for spending some time with me. Thanks, Dan.